0: light this candle as a sign of joy in the coming light of Christ. As we await Christ's coming, we remember the creative act of God that called God's people into being. We remember the burning bush that called Moses. We remember Samuel who anointed David. We remember the prophets of old who spoke of the coming Messiah, even as we say, come Lord Jesus. As we see this light, we remember that Jesus himself is the light of the world. We remember the promises you made to your people in every age. We remember your covenants with Noah and with Moses and with David and the new covenant open to us in Jesus Christ. We remember with joy that you are always faithful to your word, even as we say, Come, Lord Jesus.
1: Wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and bloom. Like the crocus, it shall bloom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of fearful heart,
2: Be strong, you not a leader. be you your God. The Lord will come with vengeance. With the tarot of God will come with faith.
1: Let us pray. Almighty God, you have made us and all things to serve you. Now prepare the world for your rule. Come quickly to save us, so that the wars and violence shall end, and your children may live in peace, honoring one another with justice and love. Through Jesus Christ, who lives in power with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
0: a seat. Grace and peace to you from the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, both those of us gathered here in this sanctuary, as well as everyone worshiping in other locations. We are glad and grateful to gather together in the name of the Lord, and because it is in Christ's name that we have gathered, our word of welcome is necessarily one with no qualifying adjectives whatsoever attached to it. All are welcome in Christ's house. So all are welcome here at First Church. I'd like to ask everyone, members and guests alike, please to sign the Friendship Pad, which you will find on your pew. If you will sign it, send it down and back again, we will have the advantage of each other's names at the conclusion of this service. And I'd like to invite you to a time of fellowship which can take place after the service in Old Buttonwood Hall, which is just out this door to my right and down a short ramp. There you will find our deacons have prepared light refreshments, but most importantly, you will find the opportunity for us to gather together in our common life together. In the interest of furthering our common life together, I'd like to highlight a few things from this announcements insert that you will find in your bulletin. Don't worry, I promise not to read the whole thing to you, but I'd like to highlight just a couple things in particular about it. The first is that the Giving Tree, which is in Old Buttonwood, this is the last day for the Giving Tree, but your opportunities to give go on. You may do so through the church website. If you go to Special Gifts and then select Giving Tree, you're able to continue to uh, participate in the Giving Tree, even beyond the formal collection of gifts. I'd also like to call to your attention these bins over here in the uh, transept of the church. The bins are for our Advent drive, which will go actually a little beyond Advent into the new year, almost to, almost to Epiphany, and, um, or maybe beyond Epiphany. And we are collecting a number of items there to benefit uh, various mission partners. You'll see their names on the front of it. And again, that may also be accessed through our church website. There you will find an opportunity for online giving for that as well. While you're on the church website, you can sign up for the Beginning in Darkness class being offered by the Reverend Barbara Chapel on Wednesday nights during Advent, and you will see all of these other announcements for your perusal, so please do make liberal use of our church website to participate in our common life together. With all of these things noted, I commend the rest of this to your attention at a later time, and let us continue our worship now with our confession of sin.
1: As we continue to prepare our hearts and our minds for the reception of Jesus into our lives, we remember that Jesus is perfect, and we are not. Let us join together in our common prayer of confession. Holy One, this time of year, we repeat Mary's words. Let it be with me according to your word but we are not so open to your leading. We choose our own way. We rely on our own methods. Even when we are heading in the wrong direction, we persist in going our own way. Forgive us. Remind us of the profound joy that you desire for us. Remind us that you have called us to be a blessing and to find our joy in so doing. Renew within us the conviction that you will always uphold us, that we too might say, let it be with me according to your word. we, Lord, that you should come to us, yet you have visited your people and redeemed us in your Son. As we prepare to celebrate his birth, make our hearts leap for joy at the sound of your word, and move us by your Spirit to bless your wonderful works. We ask this through him whose coming is certain, whose day draws near your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. People of the good news, believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first lesson is taken from the letter of James, the fifth chapter, beginning at the seventh verse. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rain. You, too, must also be patient. Strengthen your heart, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the door. Second lesson is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, the first chapter beginning at verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor upon the lowliest of his servants. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God, from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm. The Lord has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and lifted up the lowly. The Lord has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise God made to our ancestors to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants for him.
0: Final lesson is taken from Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter, beginning at the 2nd verse, and continuing through the 11th. Continue to listen for the word of God to us this day. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the midst of this season of good tidings of great joy for all people, I have a word today for the folks who are perhaps struggling to get into the Christmas spirit a word for those who struggle to find faith and hope this time of year now if you are already in the Christmas spirit and you're worried about losing it, just stick your fingers in your ears. We'll sing a hymn in about 20 minutes, and that should get you right back in the mood. But struggling with faith is more common than the church sometimes acknowledges. Faith can be like a vanishing mist at times, impossible to hold on to, present and real, but nevertheless with a fleeting feeling. Have you ever had a season when things just didn't feel quite right, when it was just not quite the way it was supposed to be? It's no mystery that many folks find themselves like Charlie Brown, wondering when they're ever going to get into the Christmas spirit. And yet we are, back in this season of good news, of great joy. And I wonder, for those who are struggling to find joy in this season, if it must seem perverse to hear a Bible reading admonishing us to patience and pairing it with the story of John the Baptist waiting in prison asking, Really? Is this it? Because if if not... I can handle it. Just tell me. Poor old John the Baptist, always waiting. Year in and year out, we leave him in that prison cell until we come back this time of year so he can ask yet again, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Patience. John the Baptist may not be a figure that we associate all that much with Christmas, but patience is a part of the Christmas story. Do you remember Simeon and Anna? We generally encounter them at a different time in the liturgical year at the presentation of Jesus in the temple, but they were the old man and the old woman who waited, just like we are waiting, year in and year out for the birth of the Messiah. God had made them a promise and they were waiting for it to come true. I wonder though, as the years advanced, if life became for them tiresome, a bit of a bore, while even after season after season, they searched and waited and the Messiah just hadn't yet shown up. As they struggled with patience, I wonder if doubts crept in for Simeon and Anna Some years ago, I reconnected with an old friend of mine from high school and college. That's one of the useful features of social media. We hadn't seen each other in years, but we were pretty good friends in college. So I was delighted to find his note in Messenger. We met for dinner and a drink, and it was as if we'd never lost touch. He's a bright guy. And we had the sort of conversation you have with someone you've known for years and years. We talked about how I wound up becoming a minister and how he wound up moving to London to study philosophy as a graduate student. We had both had a great affection for old German cars in our younger years, so we compared our battle scars with those vehicles. Eventually, we came around to the topic of faith. He had always been a person of great faith. He grew up in a Presbyterian church. He went to Sunday school every week. He was, if we are being honest, far more devout than I was in college. But in time, he found that the faith he had been listening to no longer answered his questions. He had been steeped in a faith that was based on deprivation. Don't do that don't do that either and for the love of god don't do that he was taught that the answer to everything lay in the bible and maybe that's so there are ultimate truths contained in the bible truths about sacrificial love and forgiveness and redemption yes all of those are in the bible but it takes well it takes a lot of grace to find those things Sometimes. For him, that grace had evaporated, like the dew of the morning. On and on we talked. We were a bit surprised to find that his study of philosophy and mine of theology had led us to many of the same conclusions about such things as income inequality and capital punishment. In an hours-long, freewheeling conversation, if it was important, we talked about it. He frankly was a bit shocked when I shared that while I believe the whole Bible is important, I think there's also a fair bit of it we don't need to do very much with, and that an active, engaged faith is necessary to sift through to the important bits. Have you ever tried to share your faith with someone who has lost their faith because they no longer feel the way they did once upon a time. I am sure that John the Baptist felt full of faith that day in the Jordan River when Jesus came asking to be baptized. John, we recall, protested, exclaiming how he should ask Jesus to baptize him, not the other way around. And yet now we encounter John asking, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? often do you struggle to find within your faith, within yourself, that essential feeling of goodwill that keeps you going, that gives meaning to life. If that's a struggle, you're not alone. Skeptics and doubters have made perhaps of the most profound contributions to the life of faith, Tolstoy's quest for transcendence left us with stunning passages of prose contemplating the eternal. Without C.S. Lewis's atheistic angst, who knows if we ever would have enjoyed Narnia and its parables of grace. My Old Testament professor Kathy Sackenfeld once said that when the rabbis included the book Ecclesiastes in the Bible, they were saying that there was room in the company of the faithful for even the most radical of doubters. I'm I'm not even sure it's normal to go through the life of faith without occasional seasons of questioning. To maintain a constant feeling would be a terrible burden. No wonder John asks, are you it? Is this it? Is this it while I'm sitting in prison? Is this it when I'm at home? lonely, missing a life that used to be, is this it when my savings are all but gone, but I have plenty of life left in front of me, more than I had budgeted to have? And I could go on like this all day, not because I'm feeling any more skeptical than usual these days, but because to be engaged in the Christian endeavor is to be given the responsibility empathy. It is to receive a responsibility bequeathed to us in Christ to seek to understand the struggles of others, to understand and to care enough to be with others even when it is the darkest and requires us to go to the most doubtful places. To be given a responsibility for empathy is to be with those whose faith Is challenged. Patience is a virtue much of the time, but as we consider what it is to be given the responsibility for empathy, we might consider that patience can never be demanded at the expense of the other. As the great Nina Simone sang lord have mercy on this land of mine we're all going to get it in due time i don't belong here i don't belong there i've even stopped believing in prayer don't tell me i tell you me and my people just about due. i've been there so i know they keep on saying go slow and all through the refrain of this song her bass player and her drummer are singing do it slow do it slow go slow isn't something a person with power and influence should ever say to someone waiting for justice I mean you can say it but you'll be a part of the problem are you the one who is to come Or are we to wait for another? So maybe I have a bone to pick with James because I'm not sure patience is always a virtue. Sometimes impatience is the virtue, or maybe it's practicing patience within the framework of a responsibility for empathy, but better yet I probably shouldn't pick on James too much because Every once in a while, the lectionary does something that I completely disagree with. It truncates a passage of Scripture so much that it becomes a proof text, and that's exactly what has happened to this passage of James that we read today. James isn't advocating for patience for the powerful. He is trying to give a word of hope to those who are waiting, who are waiting for the transformation of brokenness and injustice, a word to those very people who are waiting for the same things that Mary sings about in the Magnificat. Indeed, James actually has nothing but condemnation for those who are powerful and yet advocate for patience when the status quo works to their own advantage. Listen to what the part he wrote right before what we read this morning. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail for the miseries that are coming to you. Your riches have rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten, your gold and silver have rusted and their rust. Will be evidence against you. That's sort of the opposite of saying go slow. It's sort of the opposite of be saying be patient for justice. So let's talk about that Christmas spirit again. Anna and Simeon sitting in the temple for God only knows how long. How long were they waiting for the justice that they would see? coming with the Messiah. John the Baptist languishing in his his cell, asking again and again, is it you? One of the pieces of advice that I always give to folks in the moments when doubts creep in or maybe when faith doesn't even seem very alive, I guess I could say when you can't get into that Christmas spirit, is stay active in faith. And I know that sounds like counterintuitive advice. At exactly the moment when you want to do the least, because you're feeling the least, plunge in deeper. Because you and I won't get to a deep faith splashing around in the shallow waters. It just doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way in any discipline. I mean, imagine where the scientific community would be if we gave up on gravity the first time we didn't understand its effects. Marriages wouldn't last very long if everyone threw in the towel the first time their spouse temporarily acted like a jerk. No, if we want to go deep with anything, including faith, we have to stick with it. We have to be willing to just go through the motions some of the time. Because feelings are fleeting. Feelings are slippery and changeable. But what is constant is what lies behind the feeling of faith. Because always it is God, who is eternal and unchangeable, who lies behind faith. If you're having a hard time getting into the Christmas spirit, hang in there. Hang in there and do something about something. Active, engaged faith is the kind of faith whose patience James celebrates in offering hope to those who live waiting to see what is to come. And yes, Anna and Simeon, waiting in that temple, were waiting actively. They were doing something while they were waiting. They were engaged in prayer. And they were engaged in worship. And if anyone wonders whether prayer constitutes an act of faith, an active part of faith, try it for a month. And see what it changes in you. I think you'll find it surprisingly active. Whenever Anna and Simeon's doubts arose, and I'm sure there were some, they were within the community of the faithful, and that community surely sustained them. And what's more, an active faith sometimes means letting go of things that aren't working so that we make room for those things that will enliven us again, things that will freshen our faith, things that even now God is preparing to work wondrous things in you and me. Now, okay, for all of you who stuck your fingers in your ears at the beginning of the sermon, you can take them out now, this next part is for all of us. Whether you are anxious or happy, whether faith seems fleeting or solid, whether you know your Bible cover to cover, or whether you aren't exactly sure which parts are the Old and New Testament, the Christian faith is fundamentally and always an expression of joy. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And if it isn't joy, we aren't doing it right. And if it isn't joy, hang in there. God's not done yet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.
1: The Christian life is praise and witness. We have praised God. Now let us witness to God when we join together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, And the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You may bring your offering either now and place them in these plates or at the end of the service or online if you are worshiping with us from some distance. The morning's offering will now be received. These are the words of the psalmist. The heavens tell out the glory of God. The vault of heaven reveals God's handiwork. One day speaks to another. Night with night shares its knowledge. And this without speech or language or sound of voice. Let us pray to God. Lord God, our creator and sustainer, you made the universe by speaking a simple word. And who made us, alone of all your creatures, to be speakers, readers, and writers, ambassadors, and heralds, and witnesses of good news to all humanity, to give voice to a mute creation. You know the strange silence which unnaturally surrounds our lives. Illness quiets our cheerfulness. Sorrow stifles our joy. Fear puts silent our protest. Ignorance silences our ability to teach. Oppression intimidates our outrage. Injustice renders us speechless with rage. Merciful God, whoever calls us in Holy Spirit to take the harder road to freedom, break through our silence by the power of your life-giving word and restore to us our human power of speech, so that our prayers and our songs and our witness may be heard, and our cries of protest and our works of compassion and our assurance may they be heard. So we pray for the sick. We pray for the grieving. We pray for the angry and the abused. We pray for the neglected and the lonely. We pray for the victims of accident, vice, violence, oppression, famine, and war. And we pray for those who have found the courage and love to speak in this time. We pray for the teachers of wisdom We pray for the prophets of righteousness. We pray for the proclaimers of good news. We pray for those who bear glad tidings to all who mourn, all in prison, all the victimized. May they sing as they work. We pray for all who have been punished for speaking the truth. For defending the weak, for protesting injustice, for pronouncing deliverance to the captives. all powerful, active, eloquent God, even as your word does not go forth without action nor return to you empty, so too guard us in all our words against the impotence of mere chatter. Convict us by our own speeches so that all our words and prayers are followed by deeds of love and justice. May your will toward humanity be shown as well as known in our lives. We ask all these things In the name of the one who was and is still your final word to us in life and in death, even Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to take on willingly the responsibility for empathy. So if you find yourself struggling with the feeling of not being able to get into the Christmas spirit, do something about something, and keep doing it until that spirit comes to you. And now the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, the Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love, and give you peace, both this day and forevermore. Amen.